Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Julius, and this is episode 270. Big, big, big show about big games. Big. Albert, I cannot, I cannot get over the voices that you are making. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello, everybody. This is hello. this has been Voice Hour with Albert. <laughs> That's my one voice, actually. Sorry, that and my natural voice. Uh, so you've so never been much of a voice talent. No, not really. No. I cannot do accents. Every time I do accents, they all sound about the same. Doesn't matter what I'm pretending to be. They all kind of, I don't know what they come out like, but they're all the same. <laughs> I am not a voice person. Are you so, ready for a big show? I am ready for a big show about big games. Now, then, this is technically part of our popular mechanics series. So for the mm-hmm. popular mechanics series, what we normally do is we pick a certain mechanic. In the past, we picked drafting and deck building. So pick a certain mechanic and give an episode that's focused talking about more about what that mechanic is, why we like it, and different games that we feel really embody our love for that particular game. And for this one, Albert chose big for the mechanic (laughs) i'm aware that it's not a mechanic i'm aware that big is not something you're going to find in any encyclopedia of game mechanics or any area that i think nobody's going to just title their game and say mechanics big we know (laughs) you don't need to send us messages about it but we want you to do it anyway you can if you if you have an opinion on it feel free to send it but you don't have to (laughs) But we will appreciate it. And, you know, in all fairness, when I came up with this, it was not specifically a popular mechanic idea. It was just a, hey, let's talk about big games someday and <laughs> wrote it down. And then a year later, we're like, uh, what's that mean? Oh, oh, it's making a popular mechanic. Okay. <laughs> I think it actually was included in a popular mechanic and then we thought about it. Was it? I th- okay. But it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So that, that did make it interesting coming up, figuring out what? What in the world does big games mean in terms of a, a mechanic or even a theme or whatever? How, how what makes how, a game a big game? Right, right. Because it's still a it, it is a classification of a game, and maybe we will start diversifying popular mechanics into other classifications of games. But I feel like it's mm-hmm. enough of the classification; it falls into the general idea of what it is that we're doing with this. That I felt it was worth including and worth talking about it. There you go. And so I don't know if, if you want to say what you think of a big game is before we start talking about games. It may it might help if we define our well, if we explain our definition of big games. Each. I mean, big games to me is really not a single definition mm-hmm. because big games can be something that is physically big, like it's got a big box, or it takes up a lot of space on the shelf. Or it goes on for a long time. It takes up a lot of time to be able to play it. Um, I mean, frankly, yeah, those are basically what my definitions are. Any of those. But just big in space, size, or time is essentially what I included in these things. Okay. I I decided not to, to concern myself too much with the size of the game. So much... I thought maybe I'll, maybe I'll go for games that have a big experience. Now, what in the world does that mean? I decided 
what I decided is that means the game should should feel epic. It shouldn't be the same thing over and over and over. It, sh- it should feel like you're progressing and growing throughout the game. Okay. So, and, and, you know, it shouldn't be like three quick rounds. It shouldn't feel like, okay, this game feels like it's going to be big and, oh, I'm done. <laughs> that kind of knocked it out. There's a few games I wanted to include, like Lost Ruins of Arnak, that is physically big and looks big and looks like it's going to be epic and... It's it goes by so quick, and it might be epic, but it goes by so quick anyway that I thought, you know, this this is not a big game. It it, I hear it doesn't you. meet my criteria, whatever it is. It's very fuzzy criteria, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that when we're talking about this sort of thing, it kind of is fuzzy. And for me, there's actually some games that become so big that I don't like them. To tell you the honest truth, like for example, mm-hmm. Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is an example mm. of one that, in my opinion, is too big. I own a copy of it. I enjoy playing it, but it's got too, it's literally got too much stuff. It takes too long to set up. It's got too many things involved in it. And it just takes too long to get into the whole campaign of the whole experience of it. And yeah, it's, it's perhaps too big. It's interesting. You know, I didn't even think of that game. I only played the baby brother jaws line and that was still pretty big, but I tried to shy away from anything that was a campaign or or legacy game. I didn't think that necessarily fit. I wanted a single game where where I could sit down and have a single big experience, a single playthrough. Mm. So I thought about legacy games, but I said, "Mm, maybe it's not what I'm looking for. Well, I decided that a game could be big if it's a legacy game, that a legacy Mm -hmm. game does match the definition. So one of the games on my list is a legacy game. So I, I do think that it ostensibly counts because mm-hmm. when you're thinking about a big game, you want to think about things that take up a lot of time and a lot of space and having a game that really the whole game is not done until you've played you know 14 sessions of it, I think that counts. In fact, I'm going to lead right into what my legacy game of it is. In my opinion, the best of the legacy games is Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Have you played that one, Albert? I've only played season two. Really? But season that, two? I considered I considered including that in my list, but I decided to to again I decided not to include uh, legacy games. But it <laughs> that's the only one I've played. I mean, I would include that in my opinion. That is the best of the legacy games of all of the legacy games. I am very hopeful for the new Jurassic Park legacy game that's coming out for Renegade, and. Hmm. I'm not saying I've disliked any of the other ones. There's a lot of legacy games out there that I've really enjoyed. There are certainly some legacy games out there that I have not enjoyed as much. Um, But in my opinion, that is the best of them. And it certainly is, in my opinion, I think that's considered big because the whole game is not a single game. The game is the entire 14 game session that Mm -hmm. Takes a really long time to to play through the whole game. It's just a game played over multiple sessions. Yep. And, and when you finish the game, you you feel like you have started somewhere small and ended up somewhere big. It it does it does grow and evolve. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, could, I could. And you said like season zero has been your favorite one. Yes, I think that okay. season zero has been my favorite legacy game. I think if someone asked me what my recommended legacy game would be if they're an experienced gamer i would certainly recommend season zero yes Hmm, okay i know there are definitely some other ones so you know if there's less experience 
Um, like for kids, there's zombie kids. Zombie kids, huh? <laughs> yeah, so zombie kids, I think, would be the one I would recommend for, for anyone who's trying to play with younger children. And mm-hmm. yep. if you're newer to legacy games, I would probably recommend Pandemic Legacy Season 1 over Season 0, just because it's got a slightly easier start. But even then, Season 0 is relatively friendly and I, I think that they're both pretty good so yeah hmm. mm-hmm. have you played all three i have played all three yes okay i've, I've played a fair number of different legacy games <laughs> you have i have not played the uh, zombie kids legacy but i did play the original zombie kids where it's just a, a single sit through and it was the same over and over and over i don't know about that you know, traditional game mm-hmm. you know it was funny enough it was definitely uh, uh, for kids is Simple so, enough, mechanically. So what is the first game mm-hmm. on your list, Albert? So the first game on my list, I decided to go with Arkham Horror, the board game. Not the card game, but the board game. I actually specifically, didn't include... I didn't include... I didn't I, I didn't think that Arkham Horror, the card game, could be included. Just because I think Infinite doesn't count as big. <laughs> in, okay, well, then I'm in trouble. The um, Yeah, I decided to go with the board game. It's... I'm not sure why I chose that one over the card game, but it definitely, I think the card game maybe doesn't feel as big. The board game, and I'm not sure about this one entirely, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It, but you know, you're playing a character and you're fighting great old ones, and there's there's a story in that game, right? When you're playing it, it definitely feels like you're yeah. going through a story and you're going through gates. And I thought that's kind of a big experience. You're just a regular whole human fighting a goo. And, and so, you know, it feels, it feels epic. Maybe that's part of the big experience. And you start, you know, you you power up as you go. You find new equipment and artifacts, and you, you can get more powerful and whatnot. So you aren't leveling or anything like that. I could have even included a game like Descent where you do gain stuff, but that's, a, again, a campaign. This is a single sit-down-and-play. And and when you have a bunch of expansions and you open the box, it's overwhelming because it's so big. <laughs> physically. Yes. Maybe that's part of why I included it, even though I said I wasn't including that. I mean, I think that I (laughs) potentially one of the ones on my list is kind of similar to yours. I included Mm -hmm. on my list Anachrony Mm -hmm. um, because Anachrony is a huge table eater. It takes a lot of space to play on your table. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. It's got the main board and the whole and and there's the story that goes with Anachrony. The idea that there is a comet full of this time bending metal that hit sometime in the future but because it's time bending you've already felt the explosion and now you're preparing for explosion number two and so like you're rushing to get everything done and it's got these wonderful minis and these tokens everywhere and even the original had the expansions and now with more expansions it's got the time shifting mechanics <laughs> and there's so much wow. going on to it the box has gotten just overburdenly large with all the expansions but even playing just the base game it feels very big with all of the different pieces and all of the parts that get involved mm-hmm. with it. That is similar to your feelings on Arkham Horror. I feel similar to Anachrony is that it feels like a big expan- big game because the box is really heavy. When you pull it all out, you set it up over the table and you just sort of see the whole world wow. and all of the yeah. different pieces and parts and everything that goes into it. And just as it sort of just takes over your play space, that is something that feels big to me because of it, not because of the campaign or because of the multiple sessions. 
it's only played in one session. There's there's mm-hmm. nothing campaigny about it, but that gives it that very big feeling. Yeah, yep, definitely. The uh, the I think what I like in in Arkham Horror is that you're playing a regular person. You're just a regular person, and you have a backstory, though it's not that important. And that makes it feel bigger because you're fighting something that's immensely scary and, and frightening. I think that makes it feel smaller to me. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I would that's not have included Arkham Horror on the list for me because for me, it, it, it doesn't, I mean, this is very subjective, but it doesn't feel yeah. big for me when I'm playing Arkham Horror that frankly the card game or the board game because it's all about you have your thing that you're doing and you're you're on task and you're completing it and like i've just got to get through this one mission i've got to Mm -hmm. defeat this thing i've got to steadily march forward and get all these things done and line it all up and it even though it's sprawling it doesn't feel like all of that stuff is just all there it just feels like it's it feels like i'm set in the real world and the real world doesn't feel big because i'm just in this one part of the real world Mm -hmm. and maybe it's because it's the real world that it doesn't feel big to me it just feels like it's set in the world yep i see what you're saying yeah i i could definitely see that i'm finding it hard to really explain but yeah i think maybe i'm doing it (laughs) no i think you are i think you are uh one thing for me, it, it takes a while to play. I remember ages ago, uh, earlier on when when I talked, I talked to AJ when it was before Hostage Negotiator. It was for if I'm going down. We're we're chatting. He said he used to play Arkham Horror solo all the time, and mm-hmm. he pull it out and he play the game like in 45 minutes or something, or maybe an hour. It's from tear set up to tear down included. I don't believe that. <laughs> And I, I could not do that. He said he played enough that he could do that. It wasn't a problem. So you know, oh, when I thought about this, I said oh, that doesn't sound big. It sounds it sounds so quick and and so familiar that maybe that wouldn't be a big experience for him. But for me, the whole pro- even the process of setting up the game definitely would make it feel big. I, so maybe maybe I was wrong when I said size isn't included. I, I <laughs> forty five minutes to play Arkham Heart, including setup. Solo, playing it solo. Gotta have some intense like well layouts and things to put together to make it all like you gotta be able to get that thing out in like minutes and get started and get going. Maybe oh so, yeah. Maybe if you just have the base game I imagine. I'll tell you what though, the one time I played in a group and we were done in half an hour, but that was because we died almost immediately. <laughs> so we played another game after that. It, it really was like fifteen minutes. At the end of the first round or second round, we were all dead. <laughs> it's just bad luck. But enough about Arkham Horror. Do you have a second game? That was my second game, Albert Anachrony. Ah, uh, okay. But I can move on to my third if you'd like. No, no, I've got a second game. Um, you you kind of said this doesn't count for you, but I'm going to include it. I'm including Iron Swarm because it is an epic, ever-growing kind of game. It's an RPG, and it's a solo RPG. Technically, it's cooperative or solo, but you could definitely play solo, and it is not... You know, we've talked to RPGs in the show before. Many of them have been these one-shot RPGs where you play through and you play a single story. And it can be big or small, but it, it goes from beginning to end. Iron Sworn, is more like, Iron Sworn is more like a traditional RPG that you make your character and you'll keep adventuring and adventuring until either the character happens to die or, or you tire of it, pretty much. You could just keep playing this a very long, epic campaign. And, you know, it could start small with your little quests 
And as you're playing, other things become are revealed to you that you didn't know about, and they lead to side quests and new adventures, and the game just keeps growing and growing, and the story becomes more and more epic. So for me, this is definitely a game that feels big. It, though it is physically very small, because it's just a couple small books. It's like the six nine, not by nine size. I don't know what that's called. So yeah, so Iron Sworn, definitely epic and big in its experience. I have a game going, a campaign that I have I play on and off. It's been a, about a month or two since the last play, but the story, you know, started with a very simple go and that quickly grew and I, my character had to travel to a different village and then from there had to go to quest a dungeon and then came back and found out that there was a murder that happened somewhere and the people from that town would help them do their quest if we help the villagers solve the murder and things just keep going and going and going and it grows and becomes more epic. So you said you would include Arkham Heart of the Car game because that just sort of keeps going and going, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a camp and it's a campaign game. And I'm talking about a campaign game, which in a way is no different than say a legacy game. It tells a story from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a role playing game, so it's totally different anyway. I, I mean sorry. I, I don't think that this counts <laughs> as the in the infant I was talking about was with regard to Arkham Horror the card game, which mm-hmm. is only infinite because it's a living card game. It's like wait another mm-hmm. year there's going to be another expansion but for the card game itself like let's say that the game stopped or even let's say the game stopped after the first expansion of the core game that alone would not feel big it's only because it's always growing that it feels big this one is, mm-hmm. is very much not the same thing this one feels big in experience itself you buy a single book digital pdf however you want to get it you buy a single thing and already it alone feels big there's a there's a big experience that you can really enjoy yeah absolutely yeah and it's it's very vague in what's in the world you you discover it and explore it and create it as you're playing mm-hmm. so there's definitely an opportunity for it to to be as big as you want it to be and i have to but say that's... it's a big experience for free i, I whenever iron yeah. sworn comes up this has to be something you say. If ever we're talking about the podcast, it's free and it shouldn't be free. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's an interesting model. You could download it for free, but if you like it, you could support him by buying the printed books. It's right, which yeah. it works for him. Works for it, the designer. And he's got the second game, right? The uh Star Forge, space. which he yes. kicked yes, he kickstarted it. It was hugely successful. Mm-hmm. And it's still I'm still waiting for it to to be fulfilled soon in the next few don't months. they have the digital ones out now i believe you could get the digital version yes oh you're waiting but i'm still physical. waiting i'm waiting for the physical one before i try it out okay i'm not a fan of reading pdfs and playing games off pdf understandable i don't mind it primarily because i'll be doing it on either sitting at my desk which is not doesn't have enough space for me to sit down and play with all the stuff i'd want in front of me or on my phone but yes this is this is one that I've wished I could feel more motivated by because mm-hmm. I've stepped a toe into it and it was just too much and too deep for me. But like, this <laughs> is one that I enjoy role-playing with other people. And I just have not been able to get into role-playing solo and I would like to, but I just have not been able to. And this is, yeah. this is a yep. good one to talk about. You you should consider playing it with a couple friends, just trying it as a maybe even a one shot or or mini campaign just to try because it's really interesting mechanic. Well, there's always the issue. <laughs> it, it starts as just a couple games, and next thing you know, three years later, you're still in the campaign, and yeah. 
I don't have time for that. I we, totally I'm, I'm in the middle. I, I have not very many groups that I can play with consistently, and I'm in the middle of something with all of them. Oh, well, there you go. Years. More reasons to do a one-shot. <laughs> but it, it is a game that can be played solo or cooperatively. It is worth pointing that out. And it, it's got some interesting mechanics for, for playing and de- developing a story. It's, it's, and I think it works really well cooperatively, actually. I haven't tried it myself, but listening to podcasts where, where they played through it on the podcast, it's really cool. Very good. So yeah, Iron Sworn. So I'm going to hop into my third. My third feels big, and in my opinion, it feels big for two reasons. One, it is a campaign game. It's not legacy. It is campaign. So it takes a lot of time over multiple times. It takes a lot to play through it, get into it, all those things. And it it's huge when you get it on the table, especially on the later scenarios in the campaign, when it sits down and you get it all out, it, it's huge. There's minis everywhere. There's pieces all over the place. Mm. There's cards all over the place. Albert, have you figured out what I'm referring to? I thought you were going to tell me about Mage Knight, but it doesn't sound like Mage Knight because it's no, not a campaign. No, it's not Mage Knight. It's not a campaign. I'm talking about mechs versus minions. Ah, yes, of course. Mechs versus Minions. Mechs versus Minions is a campaign game where you control one, two, three, four. Usually it's played multiplayer. There are no official solitaire rules, but it is fully cooperative. But you control multiple of these little mechs, and the mechs will sometimes go wild because you don't get to pick always what it is that the mechs are doing. You have to draft them from a deck and Mm -hmm. then play them to your table. And then you're stuck with it programmed in and you can replace it or upgrade it or remove it at a later point in time. But you may end up getting well stuck without Hmm. any chance of figuring out what it is that you're going to be able to do later with your cards, because who knows what it is that they're going to be doing. So Yeah. (laughs) Hmm, okay um and it's a campaign each individual game is small right yes maybe an hour hour and a half something like that it's it's about an hour and a half i'd say to play but it can take a fair amount of time to play through because or excuse me it's not that it takes a fair amount of time you can take a fair amount of table space to play through the components in it are gorgeous there's minis for all of the different bad guys there's minis fully painted minis for your characters there's a big boss mini that's in there too it's a whole deck of cards and things it's really really an excellent game feels like a really big game even just playing as a single scenario i think of the later scenarios feels just by itself as a big game the box is hugely heavy it's like a 90 like a a, not 90 pound box it's like a 12 13 14 pound box i'm not sure but it's very heavy um and a very big box so this is a really big and really good game Hmm, okay and this is uh it's available from the publisher directly if i remember correctly and it was relatively cheap relatively cheap I don't know the exact price, but because it's developed directly from publishers, they're able to keep the prices not so large. And because it's from the League of Legends people, uh, essentially they're giving basically a cost, I think it must be. But yeah, they, they definitely make it a little bit cheaper because of the way it is that they're promoting it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're able to produce in massive quantities, so it's 
it's just gonna be way cheaper, right? Where a normal game publisher, they're making what five thousand copies of a game or something. These guys can make fifty thousand. Yeah, something like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm surprised you didn't mention Mage, and I sure I was sure you're gonna mention that one. I said maybe I should write it down because I think that game fits my criteria really well. But oh, Julius will I talk about it. I'll get a freebie. <laughs> Darn. Because that one is that one starts small, right? And you, ex- which is what I was looking for. Game that starts small, it feels like it gets bigger and bigger as you explore with a final big epic boss to fight. And and you need to go to the easier locations first and build up your strength and get better cards and and build up into that. But it it takes really long, from what I recall. It's just not for me. So that's not my third game. My third game is Space Corp. Twenty twenty five to twenty three hundred A D from. GMT games. Julius is looking at me. What I'm the? Giving you a look like, what is this that you're talking about? I have never mentioned it before, but I've only played it a couple times. But it is it's um, John Butterfield game. You're throwing things entirely out of left field at me. Sorry, <laughs> that's what we get when we have a weird subject. This is a. It's a really neat game. He is known for making a lot of war games and a lot of solo friendly games d-day at omaha beach ref ambush enemy actions are dan yeah all, all these are classic classic uh solitaire games yep with wonderful graphic design i say in air quotes <laughs> well some of them are pretty old right ambush is yes. i think from the early 80s or so and that had this crazy contraption of it, it, you read paragraphs from a book to find out what's going on and then it would, you know, you'd explore, you'd read from the paragraph in the book, and then you would fight enemies, and you'd play on the map, and you're rolling dice like a normal war game for combat. But they had this big chart with a sliding thing to find the, the right chapter and paragraph and whatnot. Um, really complicated. <laughs> Not to play it, but just to design, I imagine. But so anyway, Space Corp 2025-2300 AD is based on a book. Um... It's actually based on the series, not not a single book. In this game, you are exploring space, and it's it's relatively relatively realistic. It's played in three ages or ep- epochs or, or whatever. The first phase, you're exploring the inner solar system, so you're you're getting your spaceships off Earth onto the Moon, nearby Lagrange points. I think also Mars and whatnot, right up onto the uh, is it the Kuiper Belt? the okay. the asteroid belt and so you play through that you play a game of that that maybe that's lasts like 30 to 45 minutes and once you have finished that you flip over to the next board and the next board you're now playing exploring out to the edge of the solar system to jupiter and just beyond jupiter and you play through a game of that and expand even farther and then you play through the third age finally where you exp- in a yet a third map and you explore deep space and into the whole uh, galaxy and visiting different uh, solar systems in the galaxy. And so it's definitely a game that feels epic that it, it gets it starts small, relatively speaking, just you know, the inner solar system and gets bigger and bigger and bigger, literally, in, in what you're exploring. And it, it it has such a neat feel because when you flip over to the second map, you know, you just spend all this time exploring the inner solar system on this big board. You flip it over, now you realize that that big board you play on is just a small part of the solar system from the from the rest of it now. And you play through this, and you go to the next board again, and you realize that what you just did is, again, a tiny little part of the whole galaxy. 
and there's all this more space to explore. It, it is very, it's an interesting game. It's really neat. It plays pretty quickly, um, relatively speaking. The I've only played it a couple of times, so I can't talk a whole lot about it. The mechanics are simple. This is a game that I love. It has two rulebooks, a solo rulebook and a multiplayer rulebook. The solo rulebook says, this is the solo rulebook. If you're playing multiplayer, you don't need it. Put it in the box and get the other rulebook. And the multiplayer rulebook says, this is the multiplayer rulebook. If you're playing solo, you don't need it. Put it back in the box. And all the rules that you need are in that one book. It's fantastic. It really is. Um, even though they're almost exactly the same many, many times, they're separate rule books. There's no cross-referencing anything. I loved it. That definitely sounds like the sort of thing Albert likes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, it's, a, it's a really neat game. There's an expansion for it, too, that then gives players different starting corporations that will change what kind of cards they have available and stuff like that. There's an AI deck that is very easy to play, um, really streamlined. And as you play each board, there's a deck of cards for each board. Um, when you're playing solo, you use the deck from one of the other boards for the as the AI for this board. So I forget which is which. Like the inner space one, the inner galaxy solar system, we use the outer solar system for the AI. The outer solar system will use the galaxy for the AI, and the galaxy board will use the inner solar system for the AI. Something like that. Maybe I have it reversed, but whatever. Um, so again, that that's definitely a game that felt big to me. Very, very, very satisfying. I'm really looking forward to digging into it more. Nice. Mm-hmm. This is not a game that looks of interest to me, though, Albert. No, <laughs> it is. It is very. It seems like it's very well researched in terms of science and whatnot. There is some some sci-fi elements in it that feel very relative. What about unrealistic? Where people could start evolving and you gain different abilities that we definitely don't have today. So it has a bit of a sci-fi feel for that, but the other parts of it feel very, very science-based. So yeah, here we go. It was a <laughs> big right, show, Albert. Julius. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like sounds like it was a big show. I think that's about it for tonight, then. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.